Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, I'm your host, Anka Corbin. You're listening to part two of successful sales strategies in hot markets with our focus being Asia Pacific. And we're specifically going to talk today about how to hire and sell effectively in the Asia Pacific market. And our guest is Kyle Hegarty. Kyle is with Leadership Nomad under the TSL Group, and he spent over 10 years living and working in the Asia-Pacific region, basically helping companies expand into new markets and growing their sales. Kyle, again, welcome, and thanks so much. So how do you find salespeople uh, when, this, when these areas are so hot? What does it take? It takes uh, perseverance and a lot of open-mindedness uh, and, and and effort. That's that's for sure. Um, sales talent is probably the the biggest uh, or the most common thing that we hear in terms of headaches that executives face. That whether they be located uh, back at headquarters in the West or uh, from the executive teams locally, there's a couple of challenges. Uh, one, it's it's finding people. Two, it's onboarding them and, and keeping them. And then three, it's also probably ongoing motivating and um, keeping keeping teams going. So we'll talk about all three of those components. Uh, one thing is, as companies who are breaking into the market often do, is they will bring some salespeople over from, let's just use an example of the U.S. So oftentimes they might bring the head of sales to open an office in a place like Singapore or Hong Kong as a starting point. And while that makes a lot of sense because you're bringing somebody who has the company background, the product understanding, the sales success track record, all of those things are, are, are very comforting. What seems to happen though, is that those guys, uh, guys and girls, they, they hit a wall very quickly and they find that things are a lot different. And so it's worth understanding why some of those differences pop up. And I spend a lot of time working with, with companies on exactly this, especially the execs that come over to open these offices. Because one of the things that we find is a common personality type of a um, person who's willing to move to the other side of the world to do this is they're usually very uh, direct, they're very task oriented. They're very aggressive and focused on, on hitting their results. They oftentimes also on the downside, don't really have that much patience. Uh, they become somewhat tunnel, tunnel visioned at times in terms of just being absolutely focused on getting things done. And the problem with that in a lot of the markets across Asia Pacific is that those, those are traits that are not well received uh, as often as they are back in the U.S. So in other words, the direct, hard-driving, aggressive, task-oriented business approach ends up putting a lot of people off in cultures that might have more of a Confucian background where values like, like harmony, um, compromise, relationship, those types of values are, are more important than the values that some of these execs from the West bring in. And 
that's where the clash starts happening. It happens right away. And we see this time and time again. And, and our company went through the exact same thing. So is it a mistake to bring someone over or are there, have you found a nice hybrid of some sort of a, an approach that works where you bring over the culture, understanding and, and kind of. Sure. It's so it's, it's, it's a great discussion to have. And and what we want to do is make sure that we're first defining the problem so that every company, every team can have that discussion and that debate. The, I don't think that it means that you shouldn't be bringing that, type of person over. I think that that type of person needs to understand what they're walking into. They need to understand that some of the things that made them so successful back home are the exact same things that are going to lead them towards failure in some of these other markets. If they can get that, then it's fine. It's not fine, but it's a, it's a great starting point. And that to me is if you can get your execs to have that um, understanding about themselves that to say, look, you know, some of this stuff, I'm going to have to majorly adjust how I work with people, how I communicate with people. Um, and if they're willing and able to do that, then I don't, then there's usually not as much of a problem. So, so you yeah, have so seen, I, I don't advise. Mm. So you have seen successful sales efforts by people coming in from other countries, not only hiring local, or would you say that it's, better to probably have someone that's local as well guiding sure so let's let's talk about that because i I think that that's a other component so again at an individual level i i'm we we don't say look you have to just purely hire local and you you have to you know you can't bring anybody over it's i I think that that's too too tunnel vision and it's in its own but uh, that is something that we want companies to be aware of now the Hiring local piece is absolutely critical as well, because no matter how open-minded, flexible, dynamic someone is from the other side of the world, things are just a heck of a lot different (laughs) and done differently. And you can save a lot of time and heartache by having a local team that can help just get through that much faster. Um, So, the hybrid thing is typically where most companies go, and it's interesting. It has that comes with its own challenges because you end up with a us versus them. They often meaning the local teams stick with themselves. The visiting or the uh, expats who are there end up doing their own thing, and you end up with a little bit of that type of, um, of headbutting or cultures clashing. And so teams that do that need to spend time to, to work through that. Um, we do a lot of workshops that are meant to facilitate that type of communication. You can do it yourself. You can find other companies to help you do it. But the, the companies that spend that effort to really find that meeting point, that middle ground, uh, that, that seems to pay off in, in the best way from a hybrid standpoint. Now, it's interesting. The other idea is just to go purely local team. Mm-hmm. And I've, I don't have, there, there's a couple of companies that stand out. I don't have permission to, to name them, um, even though all, I think what they're doing seems to be working really well. But what they did was from day one, they hired an exclusively local team. They seem to be doing really well. Uh, 
and, and that's something that I think some companies, especially smaller businesses, struggle with because they feel like they're losing a little bit of their company culture if they're putting an office together that's entirely made up of you know outsiders, just to say, right? Not, uh, and and so it, it's it's an interesting one. I'm, I'm starting to work with some of these companies because the, the challenge that they have is how do you put your company culture? Mm. How do you infuse that in on the other side of the world? Right. Uh, how how do you put a communication strategy together? So yes, they can they can be running and doing successful with the local markets, but then how does that get integrated into a larger global entity? So you know, out of all of those three, which you know that we just talked about, we talked about kind of importing everybody. Uh, we talked about a potential hybrid and then a complete localization strategy. So to me, what we see is pros and cons to each. Uh, it's really about having that awareness to, depending on which direction you go in and being able to, to work with the teams uh, and, and adjust accordingly. And it does, to, to your point earlier, it comes down to culture and it comes down to how communication is, is, is executed. So you, ha- you gave us some tips on what sort of qualifications or characteristics make for a good salesperson. Let's talk a little bit about that so that, you know, a sales manager in another part of the world is going to probably have to look for completely different characteristics in someone that they would be hiring is, I mean, here, sometimes here in the U.S., we sometimes just say, well, as long as they have a deep industry Rolodex, I can work with anything, right? That probably isn't the same thing in some of these markets. So let's talk through what, what makes for a great salesperson and then how long will it take them before they really see some success? So to, to me, uh, traits of a great salesperson are universal. Uh, it's, it's somebody who understands the importance of, of relationships. And, but, but however, I think that those traits can be expressed differently in different parts of the world. And so the people that I think are really good at managing international teams, teams made up of very diverse people from all over the world, those managers that, that succeed are the ones that I think have a very good grasp of understanding and getting that core behavior and then also having the flexibility to understand that it's expressed differently in different parts of the world. So in other words, you could have a let's just call it kind of a traditional hunter mentality salesperson out of, out of, out of the U S that's somebody who talks a lot, you know, very dominant personality type in terms of body language and and how he or she goes about doing deals. You could have a dominant personality type in a market that's in a culture that's completely different. And if you, if you didn't understand the culture, you might not see that they actually have those same traits. They just express it differently based on the culture that they're within. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a, have an example here. It, in a place like Japan, which we haven't really talked about Japan, um, oftentimes I've seen this. I've seen a lot of uh, people who will get passed by for sales jobs because a foreign manager will interview them and say, well, that person just seemed incredibly shy and submissive. And that's not, that's, those aren't traits that are going to work in, in, in my sales team. And they might not be shy and submissive in any way, shape or form based on the market, based on the audience that they're in front of. So it's the experienced, experienced managers that need to be able to understand those differences. 
uh, Japan's a great example because there's a ton of, of sales talent that is out there and not being utilized. Uh, so, so it's it's kind of interesting. There's um, the talent is out there. You just have to know how to, to to dig through and find it. So we almost hire people that are similar to what we're comfortable with versus yep. the you know more that that humble and more gentle approach that is somewhat characteristic of certain Asian cultures. Right? Yeah, I think that I think that people do end up hiring people people uh, people like people or people are comfortable with people who are like themselves mm -hmm. and that doesn't necessarily solve your your localization challenge in fact that sometimes exacerbates it so let's say you do find a great sales team and you're ready to go how much does marketing play into the success how willing are people to try something that haven't been really introduced to something yep. is pre-marketing a really important aspect of like it would be here or in the EU of kind of warming up a market and preparing for the sales team. It, it definitely is. It's equally, if not more so important in, in these markets. You know, we talked about Singapore as an example earlier where there's not of an appetite for risk from that standpoint. Um, we, we ourselves, you know, we, we came across that, which was, well, you know, this company this company has been around for a long time. We're more comfortable going with them uh, because of that consistency. And so there is a need for building brand awareness, uh, building a local track record. Uh, one common, uh, I wouldn't call it a mistake, or one, one thing that Western companies stumble into is they think that they might be an industry leader in the U.S. We've got every top bank in the United States working uh, or on our platform. That doesn't mean anything on the other side of the world. And, and I think oftentimes companies are, are really surprised about that. Mm -hmm. In other words, the, the localization story has to resonate. Uh, if you... You know, if, if you think about the opposite way, if, if your audience here you know, today is an American company, a uh, Chinese sales rep who comes in and says, look, you know, we're working for every single Chinese bank. And, you know, you're going, well, that it's, it's a totally different market. Right. Why would that be? Why would that be exact same, right? So um, I, I think that one thing that we work with companies that are trying to get a toehold into the region is you've got to get that local deal. You've got to win one or two deals to get your story going. And that becomes the story. That becomes the marketing plan. It's a little bit of a chicken versus the egg, right? You've, you've got to have a uh, local clients in order to have a successful marketing campaign, but in, you can't get local clients. So you have a successful marketing campaign. So it's a bit of a bit of a trick, but I, one of the ideas is to, you know, do whatever it takes to win those first deals to be able to start building that track record. Right. Well, it's the, you know, you've got the product need fit, you've got the product market fit, you've got the repeatable scalable business model to prove out in a way you're not much different than a startup anywhere in the world and you need to validate those your concepts and assumptions and one of the ways of validating is that you appeal to someone and you get that deal right that's a proof point that yes you can exactly. then replicate that process right now, now the other thing is that you know we're here in 2017 i mean 
this stuff's been going on for a long time and these local markets. And so when, when a new entrant comes into their market, they can see them coming from a mile away. Right. Uh, and, and that localization stuff is where it really kicks in. So, you know, to be able to say, well, we're, you know, great, everybody loves us in, in the U.S. or in the EU, that's just absolutely irrelevant. And so if you're conversation, if that's your message, you're, you're wasting your money. So we, you know, really work with companies to uh, put that strategy together. You know, we've, I, I, you and I have known each other for a while. I, I keep telling the story, which is just drives it home, which is that a, 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 an American company years ago, they, all they wanted to do, they had us, they said, well, okay, it's our localization strategy. We're going to put a dragon on all of our products, uh, our material, our marketing material. So let's just, just put a, slap a dragon on it and that'll make it Asian. And so we, we now refer to all these types of this mindset as these slap dragon mindset where, you know, you're, you're literally just doing the surface level change that, that you think is going to make it more uh, appealing to, to a local audience. But these markets are sophisticated. They, they know exactly what's going on and, and you'll be wasting a lot of money if, you, if that's your approach. You know, that's actually one of my favorite stories and I and I share your story with others and it's so true because we still see it. We see it all the time. Just slap a dragon on it, make well, it red, and it should appeal, right? I've, I've ended up um, writing, you know, I do a lot of research and I do a lot of writing on them and, and I will come across slap dragon stories. And uh, one of the, the kind of funny things that's happened is, is that it was supposed to be kind of a metaphor there are so many literal examples of <laughs> things. <laughs> right. A couple of months ago, I think one that came out was uh, Victoria's Secret. They were ex massively expanding, or they're trying to expand into China, and they did a fashion show last uh, last year, and they that didn't go over well. They were just putting dragons on all the underwear. <laughs> right, I read that too. Yeah, and the, and the local market, they, you know, they were just getting they got laughed out of out of out of the place. And so it's that that was a very expensive um, mistake. They're still working on that. And it just shows you that larger companies are just as likely Absolutely. to fail because they didn't do their homework yeah. as smaller ones. It's just that they are in a position to bounce back and those millions yeah. that they lose are yeah. part of doing business, right? Yep. Some of these guys, uh, I mean, the, the money that is lost on the localization mistake is incredible. And it's the small guys that get burnt to the point where that's it. It's a, it's a one-shot deal. You know, the other guys with the deeper pockets, they, they can in some ways afford it, although that's, that's arguable. And I would also, you know, I believe as we're, I think the crazy growth phase of the region has ended. So the um, mistakes that were being made over the last few years, you could kind of get away with it because that rising tide was lifting all boats, even if the boat was... <laughs> A dragon. Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that now, you know, because the are slowing down a little bit, they're still growing, but they're slowing. Um, companies have to be a lot more, they have to go back to business fundamentals and you can't get away with the same shenanigans that we're working. That makes sense. So Kyle, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I, that would be important to share with our listeners I, you know, I think that um, the, one of the, the challenges is that every, there's a, there's a, 
old line that says that everything that you've heard about uh, uh, Asia is correct, including the opposite. It's such a giant market. There's so many moving components. Um, it's important to think about your own as well as your own specific strategy because the answer will vary um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a tremendous way. One thing that we have had success with in terms of finding talent, not only for our own teams, but for our clients' teams, is because there are so many large or, or companies out there, Western companies that continue to make these mistakes, those companies have, a, have local teams that aren't exactly happy. They're, they're looking for better things out there. Um, oftentimes, those are the people that are great to hire. Right, because so they've already words, been in through the cultural adjustment. They, they, they've worked with international teams. They mm -hmm. have struggled through it. Um, there are companies that are out there that just aren't doing it that well. Maybe they can afford to not do it that well, but uh, there are there's talent out there. And when you kind of hear those rumors or those rumblings out in the market, well, you know, this company is making it really difficult to sell locally because of all of these different uh, rules or, you know, they, they, they may have a, a management style that is really conflicting with the local markets. Those are, those are people that are, you know, great to, to, to try and hire. <laughs> A little bit, you know, I, I don't recommend, I'm not trying to say go out and steal people. But they're, 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 oh, sure you are. <laughs> well, there, there's a lot of unhappy people out there. And if you can craft your story, if you can actually be the, 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 the localization, um, comp the company that understands the, the local approach, at, and, and if you can figure out a way to infuse that into your own company culture, those are the companies that are succeeding over in these marketplaces. I think that's really great advice. So Kyle, what's the best way for someone to learn more about you and your company? Um, where should they go? And we'll obviously add these resources at, and sure. to the so podcast as well. The, um, a lot of the resources, uh, there's two, two things. So we have a, the website would be leadershipnomad.com uh, under TSL, which links all together. So as, as a, again, you know, our, our story is one of those of localization. This was, um, the need that, that Leadership Nomad focuses on is helping Western companies expand. TSL is just more of a, is a marketing agency. So, you know, we, we ended up having to put a second uh, piece of the business together for that. LeadershipNomad.com is, is a good starting point. Uh, my LinkedIn page is my only social media presence. So that's where I put all of the content, a lot of the things that I write about. Uh, it's under either my name or it's actually uh, LinkedIn backslash Slapdragons. Fantastic. We'll definitely put those both on there. So anyone that wants to reach out can. Kyle, thank you so very much for joining us today. Really, really great discussion. Everyone, we want to make sure that you tune in next time um, for more international expansion advice. Visit our website, globig.co, for your online international expansion framework and headquarters where you can find an abundance of free resources, training, and introductions to the best experts just like Kyle around the world. Thank you so much for being with us. Go global and go big.